Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. Welcome to the 2X Podcast. Here's your host, Bill Kasky. Well, hello, 2Xers. Glad to have you back on another episode of the 2X Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Kasky. You can find out more about me at billkasky.com. Also, feel free to sign up for our three-video tutorial, How to Quick Start and 2X Your Business. So you can go to billkasky.com to enroll in that. In today's episode, I'm going to spend a little time on this concept of world-class. I don't hold myself out as someone who is that. I believe I'm striving for it. And I always have been, and but I don't. I don't record this episode and say I'm world class and here's how to do it. That's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is to begin to look at some of the elements and beliefs that world class leaders have, and this could be world class athletes, it could be world class sales managers. But I'm I'm really interested in just generic people who want to be really really good and significantly better than what they are now so that they can have impact on the world. And impact on the world could be your little world. It could be the company that you work with's world. It could be the world in general. So I want you to have impact. And to me, the way you have impact is you become a world-class leader, regardless of your function in your company. And to do that, I think we have to look at, well, what do world-class leaders believe And so I've been studying this off and on for the past six months, and I've got a list here of nine things, and I'm going to leave the 10th for you because we have some really smart people that listen to the 2X podcast, and I would be curious from you as to whether you see one that I've missed. I know I've missed hundreds, but I'm trying to find the 80-20 principle here and find the top nine or 10 that really apply to all of us. So if you have something to add to this list, by all means, do it. You can do it on the Facebook page. So here's belief number one, change never ends. So adaptability to change becomes skill number one. Uh, An example of this is that it used to be someone could advertise on one channel and maybe that channel was a was an email, maybe it was a direct mail piece, maybe it was just on one of the network channels. But now you have many channels and you have to decide you can't do them all maybe, but you have to decide which ones are appropriate for you. So that's a big change from one channel to many. Another change is it used to be that you as the sales professional or you as the selling, the vending company had all the information that they needed. You had proprietary information. Not the case anymore. They can look up on the internet stuff that you didn't even know existed. So they have tons of information about your product, about the marketplace, about pricing, etc. The third example of this is that the competitor set is radically different. 
You know, it used to be that if I'm in the training business and I'm competing here locally, I might be competing with three or four other people who do what I do, and we're all vying for the in the same market. Now, that was the case back in the 80s and 90s, and there was plenty of business to go around. But now, it's not just the vendor down the street that I'm competing with. I'm competing against the million people around the country, around the globe, who do what we do. And our delivery mechanism is not just you show up at a, at a place of business in a, in a training room and we get a whiteboard out and we go to work. Now it's digital. It's through GoToMeeting or through Zoom or some of the virtual technologies. It's through podcasting. It's through direct-to-camera to video. So as you can see, if I were to have said back in the 90s, hey, you know what, we still believe in the fax broadcast as a way to get prospects, it's crazy. It's unfathomable when you think about it. But I think you have to look at your business and say, change is not going to stop. So your ability to adapt and be resilient in the face of change is the thing that's going to be vital for you. And really, every issue, every element of change that occurs is really an opportunity because a lot of people will put their head in the sand and they won't change. There are probably people out there still doing fax broadcasts. I don't know, maybe not, hopefully not. But the idea here is that while others are putting their heads in the sand, you can actually excel. Here's the second belief that world-class leaders have. Certainty is out. It used to be, you know, you build a sales plan and you knew the plan would work because it was all about behavior and you knew if you did this and this dial went up that you'd accomplish your goals. Well, that's not the case anymore. There's always adjustment. There's always tweaks. Uh, an athlete has to bend to the course, the field, the court, whatever, the territory. You know, think of the race car driver. He's got one set of tires for 70-degree weather and dry, another for 98 and dry, another for wet if it's NASCAR. They change as conditions change. So you've got to change as conditions change. You've got to have a plan B and maybe even a plan C. Most people I see invest all their eggs in the one basket because they're certain that it will work and certainty is out. It's like the hiring manager who hires the sales professional and says, oh my gosh, this person is really a killer. This person is a crusher. They've done well in every position they've, they've been in. And I always say, look out. They're setting themselves up for failure if you believe in any kind of certainty. So just imagine certainty is out. Don't be certain about anything because nothing is certain. So it's better if you adjust your mindset to that, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Number three, completion never occurs. There is never a time when you are all set. I see this a lot in the sales training and, and development arena where companies say, well, no, we're, we're all set. We don't do any training. Our people are seasoned vets. And then I get into it a little bit further because they invite me in and to do an assessment or some type of audit. And I realize, yeah, they're all set for now. But as the world around them changes, they are extremely vulnerable, extremely vulnerable. So this need for completion is, is associated with intolerance and dogmatism and, and authoritarianism. We got this covered. We don't need any change. And you never become the leader you set out to be because the map is constantly changing around you. And we drive ourselves insane when the, we have the notion that what used to work will forever work. It won't. 
So stop looking at your own personal skills and as the skills of your people, if you're a team leader, as having completed the journey to excellent skill sets. Because I can guarantee you in one year, those skill sets are not applicable anymore. Number four, purpose and principles drive the bus. Purpose is the why behind what we do. Preferable if that purpose is a higher notion, a higher concept. In other words, one purpose might be our purpose is to return a fair, good return on the investment of the shareholders. Well, I got to tell you, that's an inwardly driven purpose that if you told your customer base that, they would not be inspired about that. That might be a reaction or a byproduct of the purpose, but the purpose has to be about your customer base. Google's purpose was to organize the world's information for their customers. Microsoft's is to bring computing power to every person on the planet. No mention of shareholder value, stakeholder return, none of that. Now, the cool thing about purpose is it can be an unlimited power source that most companies fail to tap into. It's the thing that can motivate people, your team or yourself, to stay late, to improve output, you know, to be more strategic. Another way to see purpose is as the mission. The great men and women of the U.S. military always get back to, and really any military, always get back to, okay, sir, what's the mission? What are we trying to accomplish? What's the mission today? The principles are the how will we be while executing our purpose? What rules will we live by? How will we act and react? What will we stand for? And what won't we stand for? What will we tolerate? Here's a secret. When your team has any kind of performance issues, it's usually one of these two things, purpose or principles that are out of alignment or they aren't front and center in your daily routine. I think your purpose and principles should be on every document that that is handed out internally. So it's a constant reminder. Here's why we do what we do and here's how we do what we do. Number five, the need to be right keeps us average. Isn't it weird how, how much shame we hoist upon ourselves when we are wrong? So we do all we can to avoid being publicly wrong. And yet in today's world, there are rarely right and wrong answers to anything. Why? Well, because the problems we face are so complex. We can't solve the problems of today the way we solve a crossword puzzle. Usually in a crossword puzzle, there's one word that fits and one word only. Now, sometimes, yeah, yeah, half a percent of the time there might be two words, but it's very rare if it's a good crossword puzzle creator. The problems today have tentacles. They have loose ends. They have all sorts of different uh, distractions that happen as a result of that. So you solve one problem over here, it might create two or three over there. So we've got to lose the approach of right and wrong. It'll save you lots of heartache. You know, we love binary, either or. Well, we either do it this way or we do it that way. There's nothing in between. And if you manage a sales team, you are in a constant dilemma of, do I motivate with money or with something else? Unfortunately, there's no good answer to that that because the subject is rarely only motivated by one thing. Yet I can tell you that in some sales strategy meeting right now, people are treating this as an either or binary subject. People are either motivated by money or something else. Well, what if the answer is both? 
What if there's a more complex answer to the question of what motivates people? And there is, of course. But we love the either or. We love to solve problems the way we do crossword puzzles. Number six, everyone on the team must have aligned goals. There is a study that came out that suggested that 70% of leaders felt like their corporate goals were misaligned with their functional goals. So if I'm a sales manager or an HR manager or operations manager, then my goals for my department were out of alignment with the corporate goals. Now, your role as a leader is to keep the goals in front of all and to make sure that you get any kind of misalignment back in alignment. It's totally okay and acceptable for misalignment to occur. Remember back to one of the previous points, the territory is always changing. Goals are changing too, but you as the leader, either from the front of the room as as a named leader, you're the VP of sales or sales leader, or from the back of the room where you're one of the team members, you can still influence leadership. You can keep asking the question, what's our goal here? What is our goal here? Another factor is your personal goals, your life goals, and are they in alignment with your company goals? Because every day you wake up out of alignment is a day that you dread certain parts of the day or the day, the time that the day beats you up and you get back home at night and you're just beat. Whenever I hear someone say, oh God, I'm just so tired at night, I know it's a misalignment problem. And I know that the car example has been given ad nauseum, but if your car is out of alignment, it's tired by the end of the day. It starts to have impact on other things, your tires, your brakes, your transmission. So lots of other things happen when your car is out of alignment. It doesn't run smoothly, and you don't run smoothly either when the personal goal is out of alignment with corporate goals. Number seven, you hear me talk a lot on this podcast and other podcasts I do and other content about mindset. Mindset provides the track to run on. Mindset helps your judgment for certain courses of action and the action itself. If we formulate our plans in a state of mind that is in poverty consciousness or in limited thinking, our plans will be poverty plans. It doesn't mean that you take your plan and multiply it by 30 times and say, well, that's not a poverty conscious. That's not reality either. But you have to make sure that you as a leader keep your mindset clear and strong. If you're a sales manager, your people's lives and their abilities and capabilities and and results hang in the balance of you being clear and strong. Here's a poem that I I was going to read it, but I think uh, it's better if somebody else does. And it's a poem called If by Rudyard Kipling. It's about a minute and a half, so it might be a little long, but I think you'll find it interesting. You've heard it before, but try to apply it to this mindset thing here because I think it really fits. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating. And yet don't look too good, nor talk too wise. If you can dream, and not make dreams your master. If you can think, and not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster, and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken, and stoop 
and build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose, and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except will, which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Number eight, the 80-20 rule applies to everything we do. The 80-20 rule was made popular by an Italian economist named Vilfredo Pareto. The rule basically says there's an unequal relationship between effort and results, and that 20% of our effort lead to 80% of our results. And it's that way with anything that happens during the day. Chances are, if you look at your daily productivity, there are two hours of your day that provide the 80% of the productivity in that day, maybe even less. And we live in an 80-20 world. I was listening to uh, Tim Ferriss, one of his podcasts, where he interviewed one of Nike's top trainers who trains a lot of professional athletes, tennis players and such. And Ferris asked a good question. He said, what is the one exercise, the one exercise that if a person were only going to do one exercise for 15, 20 minutes a day that would have the biggest impact on them, what would it be? And the guy didn't hesitate. He said, it's real easy the deadlift. It's the deadlift because it works out, I don't know, 27 muscles in your core and your legs and your shoulders and your chest and your body. It's the deadlift. He says, that's where we begin. Every athlete that comes in is that's the first exercise we want to perfect from a technique standpoint. And we want them to do every day. Now you, there's some changes. You can increase the weight, lower the reps, decrease the weight, increase the reps, lots of different ways to do it. But he says the deadlift. And so if you are, and it's the same thing in any kind of exercise, it's, you know, squats, deadlifts, pull-ups, and push-ups. If you do those three things, doesn't mean that those other ones aren't useful. But in terms of the 80-20 rule, it's those three. Number nine, your primary role is to activate the potential of those around you. If you are a world-class leader, I don't even mean sales leader, just leader, your role is to activate the potential of those around you. There's no greater purpose as a leader than to activate that. It's the rule of of just being in their life. And we use the term activate because that's exactly what it is. You can't motivate someone to achieve more without their permission. So it's not an extrinsic motivating force that does it or, or you don't do it, but it's something that happens inside of them. And we throw this term transformation around a lot, but what does that really mean? It really means that someone or something is different after having a relationship with you. If you're in sales, is the customer really different after having had a a buying relationship with you or an educational relationship? And your aim as a leader should always be to transform and activate the potential of those around you. Another, there's some other synonyms for transformation, conversion, metamorphosis, renewal, shift, alteration, change, massive change. 
And once again, it means that someone or something is different after having a relationship with you. So you as the leader, again, whether you're a functional leader or merely a leader from where you are in life, is to activate the potential of those around you. So what is yours? You've been around world-class people. You probably are one, either in all parts of your life or in certain parts of your life. What have you found is one of the key beliefs that you need to have, you personally need to have, if you're going to be a world-class leader and a world-class performer, regardless of what area you're performing in? I want to hear from you and what you think about that, what your number 10 is. You can go to BillKasky.com slash Facebook billkasky.com slash Facebook takes you right to the uh, fan page and that's where this will be posted find the post and put in your number 10 hope to see you next time bye you've been listening to the 2x podcast if you'd like to contact bill email him at bill at billkasky.com or follow him on twitter at billkasky